We are in this study of the book of Isaiah. If you're, just, if you're new here with us or joining us for the first time, we've been looking at the book of Isaiah. And we have been in this section of the book where God has really been honing in on us about trusting him. Those of you who have been here, you're recalling that, right? God has been saying, trust me, wait for me. And we've seen how he called through Isaiah the nation of Judah to do that in the midst of a, of a great threat from another nation, Assyria, coming to attack them. And he was saying, trust me, wait on me. Don't depend on anything else but me. And he's been calling us to do the same thing. And so we're coming to the end of that section. Uh, and we're going to look at Isaiah chapter 34 and 35 today, but only briefly because what I want to do is we're going to, what we're going to do this different today is I want to invite you to just ga- engage directly with God in prayer today. So I'm going to teach a little, we're going to pray a little, we're going to worship a little, then I'm going to teach a little bit more, then we're going to pray a little bit more, and then we're going to worship a little bit more. Is that okay? Can we do that? Here's what that's going to look like, okay? Uh, in the times of prayer, if you came with friends, a couple friends, a couple family members, I'm just going to ask you to gather with them. You just kind of right there in your seats, turn towards one another, and I'm going to guide you and like, okay, pray about this and then let you pray. We'll just pray for two or three minutes, and then our worship team will bring us back into worship together, and we're just going to pray about some specific things together as a church. And one of the things that we rejoice in is that you don't need anybody to... Um, intercede for you before the Father, before the throne, other than Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. You possess the Holy Spirit if you're a follower of Jesus, so you can engage directly with God. You don't need me to stand between you and God. Somebody say amen to that. All right? So we're going to just do that today and engage directly. Here's what Isaiah chapters 34 and 35 are about, okay, the chapters we come to today. In chapter 34, what we find is a repeat of a theme we've seen again and again, and it's this. God is going to judge those who oppose him. Those who will not come under the shelter of his mercy in Jesus Christ, he will one day call to account for that. And so he has some things to say to the nations who would attack and oppose his people and who practice injustice. He says, I am going to bring that under judgment. And then that's, so chapter 34 is a strong word of judgment. We saw that all the way through chapters 34, uh, 13 through 28, essentially. And then he's going to repeat the theme again that we've seen in chapters 30 through 35 very strongly to his people. He's going to say, and I'm going to restore you so you can trust me. Those who have been attacked, who have been oppressed, who have been under difficulty, I'm going to do a great reversal. In the world, it seems like the wicked thrive and the righteous perish. But when I come and establish my kingdom, I am going to reverse that. There's going to be a great reversal where those who are righteous in me will thrive and have life and be protected and thrive. And those who have opposed me will now come under judgment. Does that make sense? So that's the great reversal he's talking about in chapters 34 and 35 of Isaiah. And what I'd like us to do, because those themes are familiar to us, we've been touching on those all throughout the book of Isaiah. I thought as we come to the end of this section it gave us a great opportunity to engage with God a little differently than just sitting and listening to me preach, but rather to have us talk to God directly. Now, here's the thing. What he's saying in these chapters is, you can wait for me, you can trust me, because I promise that one day I'm gonna make everything right. I'm gonna accomplish this great reversal, okay? So because that's true, you can wait patiently for me. Again, that theme of trust me, Wait for me. And he gives us a few things in chapters 30 through 35. In fact, all throughout the Bible he gives us these. But I just want to hone in on these couple chapters of Isaiah where he gives us some promises that we can lean on and depend upon. Because what his promises do for us, 2 Corinthians chapter 1 tells us that all the promises of God are what? 
are yes for us in Christ Jesus. In other words, if you've come to Jesus, everything God has promised, anything he has promised is for you in Christ Jesus. And he says those promises, the reason he gives us those promises is to build our faith because it takes faith to wait for God, doesn't it? It takes faith to wait to be delivered from sickness. It takes faith to wait for God to be delivered from depression or anxiety or mourning or, or just whatever it is that you're waiting on the Lord for. It takes faith. And so we want to build your faith today. We want to build your ability to believe in God for the things he has promised to you. And we want to do that by just engaging with him in prayer and looking at these promises in these chapters. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to introduce a promise to you. Then I'm going to invite you to pray that with some folks around you. Now let me say, if you're new or you came by yourself or you're not a follower of Jesus and you're thinking, okay, wow, this is going to be really strange for me, right? I've never even prayed. Like, so much less prayed out loud with a group of people. Let me just invite you, if, if you're more comfortable taking the time of prayer to just pray quietly by yourself, that's fine. You're welcome to do that. But I'd encourage you, there really is something profound and wonderful and powerful about gathering with some folks around you and saying, let's pray together for this, particularly where some of these promises speak directly to a need that you have. And I'm guessing that, that many of these promises, at least one of them is gonna strike you in a place where you're gonna go, oh, that's, that's me. That is me. I need that. The other thing I wanna encourage you to do, and this is just a tiny little bit of instruction on prayer here. Ephesians chapter six and Jude 20, verse 20, talk about this idea of praying in the Spirit. In Ephesians chapter 6, Paul says, pray in the Spirit at all times. And Jude says it similarly, he says, pray in the Holy Spirit. And what those texts mean, among other things, the primary thing that, that what Paul is saying when he says, pray in the Spirit at all times, is he's saying, when you pray, pay attention to the Holy Spirit, if you're a believer, that lives within you. That spirit lives within you and will guide you and show you what to pray. How many of you sometimes you just, get into, you just get into praying and you never pause to actually say like, how should I pray God? What should I pray God? What do you want me to ask for? Am I asking for something you even want me to ask for? Like how, how am I to be guided in this prayer by you? One of the great truths that, about prayer that God gives us is that when his spirit lives inside of us, it guides us in how to pray. It shows us how to pray. And that's, that's really what Paul is getting at in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 20, or 18, sorry, verse 18, when he says, pray in the Spirit at all times. So I want to encourage you, as you gather in groups to pray today, to, to don't just go immediately to words, but to take a moment. We're only going to pray two or three minutes, and then we'll worship again. But in those two or three minutes, just take a moment and pause and say, Holy Spirit, is there anything you want to show me to pray? And then, you know, see what he, if he puts something in your mind, on your heart, then you can pray according to that. Is that fair enough? Awesome, cool. So just a little instruction there. So here's, let's dive into the first one. Here's what I want to look at with you. Promise number one in Isaiah chapter 30. So we're going back a couple of chapters. We're going to put these on the screen and we're going to leave them up for you while we pray. So I just want to talk about this one for just about a minute and a half here and then let you guys pray. So in Isaiah chapter 30, verse 15, we find this promise from God. In returning and rest, you shall be saved. In quietness and in trust shall be your strength. Just look at that and ponder it for a minute. In returning and rest, you shall be saved. And most of us think about being saved as something that requires a lot of activity, right? Like if you're, if you're going to get out from underneath whatever the situation is you're dealing with, whatever the thing is, then you better do your due diligence, you better work really hard. You better pull yourself up by your bootstraps. But here we have a promise from God that says, oh, no, no, no. Your salvation is not in your work and your effort. Your salvation 
is in complete dependence on me. It's in quietness and in trust and in rest that I will show up and I will meet with you and I will bring you what you need. So here's the promise. God is promising that you do not have to do anything other than trust him to be delivered. That all your efforts, all your work, none of that earns your deliverance. None of that earns salvation before God for eternity, right? And none of it earns your temporal deliverance from whatever it is that's challenging you right now. So here's, I'm wondering, um, how many of you might just, I'll ask for a little bit of vulnerability here. How many of you might say, I, I really like to be in control. Control is a thing for me. Okay, you're going to be praying with these people in just a minute. So look around now, right? I really like to be in control. I think this promise is for you. I think this promise from Isaiah chapter 30, verse 15, is specifically for you in order to do battle against unbelief. Because it's the promises of God that instill faith in us so that we might wait for God. So here as we pray, I want you to pray kind of in two ways. Number one, when Jesus taught us to pray, he taught us to pray, make earth like heaven, right? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, make this place like that place. So give us a taste of that. And everything we're going to pray for today, when we pray, God, would you deliver us from being the need to be in control we're praying for something that God can give us, the taste of his kingdom when we're willing to lay down and surrender before him. But the other thing, the other thing is that in some of these things, like later we're going to pray, if, you have, if you're physically sick, we want to pray for you today. It's one of the things we see in the text. We want to look at it, so we're going to pray about that. And we don't know if God will answer that right now and bring and give us a taste of his kingdom in answering that prayer right here and now. We believe he can. We believe he loves us. We have faith to believe he can, he can do that. And delights to do it often, but we also know that sometimes he says, I'm in it, what I'm going to give you is not healing right now, but I'm going to give you this promise so that you can endure and wait, so that you can trust and wait, because one day it will come. All these promises are ultimately fulfilled when Christ returns and brings his kingdom. That's when they're ultimately fulfilled. And all of this will come true. Every promise we look at will come absolutely 100% true without any variation, completely and wholly, when Jesus returns. That's when it will all happen. But there's a way in which we say, bring your kingdom now, Lord. Give us a taste of it now. And we can ask for that. He invites us to ask for that. So promise number one, in returning and in rest, you will be saved. So can I invite you to turn to a couple folks there with you. Pray for a few minutes now together, particularly if control is a thing for you. Let's pray together and ask God to speak to us in that. Amen. You can have a seat. All right, we got the hang of it now? It's good. Promise number two. Isaiah chapter 33, verse 1. And this is a promise that we don't often think about much. But listen to Isaiah chapter 33, verse 1. It says, Ah, you destroyer, who yourself have not been destroyed. You traitor, whom none has betrayed. When you have ceased to destroy... In other words, when God brings it to an end, you will be destroyed. And when you have finished betraying, they will betray you. Now, that doesn't sound much like a promise, I know. You read that and you think, what's that about? And in the immediate context, it's God speaking to the nation of Assyria and saying, I'm going to bring your power to an end. But in the same way, 
that he said to Assyria, I will bring your power to an end. He says to all those who practice injustice, to all those who practice unrighteousness, that he will bring their power, their injustice to an end. Now, for a lot of us, because we live in relative comfort and safety and security, and a lot of us have not been the victims of injustice. Some of us have, but some of us have not. Perhaps we think that this is not a promise to be clinged to or one to be thought much of, but I promise you, if you've been one who suffered injustice and felt like the wicked have gotten away with treating you unjustly or with harming you, you want a God who will make things right one day. You want a God who says wickedness will not go unpunished. A God who says, I will bring about vindication for my people where they have been the victims of injustice. There's a couple reasons why we need to cling to that promise, why that's such an important promise for us. Number one is it reminds us, it reminds us that God will not allow wickedness to go unpunished. And therefore we know our God is just. He's not just loving, but he is just. The second reason is this, is that anytime we're the victims of injustice, we are tempted to take revenge for ourselves, yes? And the reason you don't have to do that the reason you don't have to seek your own vindication, the reason you don't have to take justice into your own hands is because you have a God who declares he will take care of it. He will deal with it. And all those who practice injustice will either fall under his wrath one day or the wrath that they have earned through their injustice and that we have earned through our injustice will fall upon Jesus. All injustice will be dealt with either through the blood of Jesus or through the judgment of God for those who will not come under the shelter of Jesus from the wrath of God. Now, like I said, I know that that's an, an odd-sounding promise to cling to, but I'm convinced it's one that we need. I'm convinced it's one that we need, particularly if you have suffered injustice, if you have been one who has been wronged and you feel like that wrong has not been taken care of. So here's what I'd like to invite you to pray for now. If that's you, I'd like you to gather with those around you and I'd like you to pray and ask God to give you the ability to wait for him to bring about justice, for him to wait to bring about justice. If that doesn't connect with you, if you say, I don't feel like I've suffered injustice, perhaps you've been the perpetrator of injustice and you need to pray and ask God for forgiveness. You need to say, God, forgive me. And you, know, you need to have him tell you what you need to go and do to be reconciled and make it right where you have practiced injustice. The third possibility is if neither of those are the case for you, I want to invite you to think about those who are the victims of injustice around our world every day. The poor, the oppressed, those who are the victims again and again, over and over, whole categories of people that suffer injustice on a daily basis and to ask God to protect and to provide and to come around and give safety. So those, those, that's the way I want to guide you to pray now. So gather with those around you. Let's pray for a few minutes around that subject of injustice and this promise from God that he will one day make all things right. Amen. Have a seat. You guys are getting your squat workout in today. A lot of stand, a lot of sit. You guys are patient. I appreciate that. How many of you would say, how many of you would say if you're willing to, if you're willing to acknowledge, it's okay, we love you. I mean, you say you struggle with anxiety, fear. Yeah, look around, that's a lot of us, right? It's a lot of us. The world can be a scary place. It really can be. There's a lot of truly frightening things that seem to come into our world a lot. Um, this promise is for you. And I want you to know the Bible is filled with promises about 
fear and anxiety and what God says to those. But again, we're just looking at Isaiah chapters 30 through 35. So hear what he says in Isaiah chapter 35, verse 4. Just imagine God speaking this directly to you. If that's you, you're like, anxiety, fear, it's, it, it grips me. I struggle to, to trust because of it. Imagine God saying this to you. Say to those who have an anxious heart. Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with recompense of God, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. He will come and save you. In the New Testament, Jesus taught us not to be afraid because he says we have more value than a, than a sparrow. And God attends the funeral of every sparrow. He knows when they fall from the sky. He knows every hair on our head. And he tells us, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. You are of more value to me than all the creatures in the world. I place great value on you. You're my creation, made in my image. So do not fear. Do not fear. Now, my friends who struggle with anxiety, here's, here's the key. Is it's great to hear that, right? That should be like good, soothing balm to the ears. But you've heard that before, right? You said, I still wrestle with anxiety. And when you wrestle with anxiety and with fear, it's something you have to submit to God every day. Every day you have to wake up again and you have to say, I am going to place my faith in you. I'm going to trust you. And you have to rehearse the promises of God. You have to rehearse them. It's not enough to hear them once in a while. You need to hear them every day. You need to preach them to yourself. And so here's one more to add to your list. Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong and fear not. He will come and save you. He will come and save you. You have a good father who loves you. A good father who loves you. So I'd like us to pray for those who are wrestling with anxiety now. Likes to take a moment and think about this promise as a promise that's designed to help you wait on God, to wait on Him and to trust Him, to, to battle back against anxiety, to fight against it, not just to give in to the sort of it washing over you, but to battle back against it. Every moment, every day, you need an arsenal of promises from God. So would you take a moment, turn with those around you, or if, you'd like, if you're more comfortable on your own, take a moment, turn with those around you, and let's pray. Let's pray against anxiety. Even if that's not a regular occurrence for you, you've probably known the moments where fear tends to grip you. And let's pray against that. Let's pray this promise. We'll keep it on the screen. Pray specifically that you would believe this promise now and sort of take it into yourself. So pray together, and then we'll draw back in in a minute. 1 John 4.18, Lord, you tell us there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because you first loved us. So, Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters who wrestle with anxiety, who get up every day and fight that battle, that you would cause them to be overwhelmed through your, the power of your Spirit communicating into their hearts how deep your love for them is. May they see it and 
taste it, as you say in Isaiah, to come and taste that you are good, your love is good. Give a mindfulness to return again and again every morning to your word and to fight for faith, to fight against unbelief. Surround them, hem them in with your love. That's what we need. We need to know that we are loved by you and Jesus. You are the evidence of the Father's love for us. Your life given so that we might have life. So we pray against fear and anxiety in the name of Jesus and for his glory in our lives as we become trusting people. Trusting people, waiting on you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, promise number four is also found in Isaiah 35, chapters or verses five and six. So we prayed about anxiety, prayed about being the victims of injustice. We prayed about the, that need to control things and being released from that. Now we want to pray for those of you who find yourself sick, physically ill, uh, perhaps for a long time, perhaps for a short time. But listen to this. This is a description of what the kingdom of God will be like when it comes in all its fullness and all its power. Isaiah 35, verse 5 and 6. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer. That's a great image, isn't it? And the tongue of the mute sing for joy. And the tongue of the mute sing for joy. What God is saying right there in Isaiah 35 is a promise to us. It's a promise that when he ushers in his kingdom, all the things, all the physical sicknesses, illnesses, all the cancer, all the issues that we face on a, on a day in, day out basis, some of us, uh, they will be done away with. They will be gone. They'll be done away with. Now, we know that that's the day that all those things will definitively happen. We know they will take place. But again, God tells us to pray that he would bring his kingdom into the world and that he would make earth like heaven. And so we want to do that. We want to pray, spend a little time now praying. So in a moment, the band's going to play It Is Well, one of my favorite hymns, a great hymn. And instead of asking you to just to turn and pray with some folks side by side, one of the things James chapter 5 tells us is to when we're sick, when we're physically hurt, injured, ailing, to call on the elders of the church and let them pray over us. So I've asked elders and staff to be available, and they're going to come down front here. And if you are in need of healing, physical healing, if there's something in, in your body that's not right, we'd love to pray over you. We'd love to pray over you. We don't control God's healing power. We don't dictate to him what he does if he will heal in this moment. We, we also ask by faith because he tells us to. And we delight to ask. And we delight to see that sometimes he answers that here and now. And other times he says, I'm going to help you wait on me. I'm going to give you strength and endurance to wait. So, teams can come. Let me pray. And as I do, why don't you, in fact, why don't we stand? We're going to sing together. And if you're in need of physical healing, I just want to invite you to come down. Elders, Staff members, if you'd come, and you can begin to come, friends, even as I pray and as we start to sing. So Lord, thank you that we can, as a church family, pray for one another in so many ways. And one of those ways is to ask that you would bring healing to our bodies when we're sick. And we're going to ask you for that now. So as, as your daughters and your sons come forward, we pray that you would meet them with mercy now that you would meet them with mercy. We trust in you. 
We know that all your ways are good. We know that all your ways are good. So Father, we we trust you. We continue to ask you to be at work in the physical bodies of your people. Thank you that the healing that you offer us is not just a spiritual healing, not just one that can redeem us from the grave and purchase us from death and from sin. That is most important and we delight most in that. But we also delight in your ability to work and to bring healing into our lives now in a physical way. We continue to ask you for it. So we'll persevere. You've told us when we pray just to persevere in prayer, to keep coming to you. And so we're going to keep doing that, Lord. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Grab a seat one more time, if you would. I just want you to hear this, and we're going to close with a song. But I I want you to hear one more promise. I'm not going to ask you to huddle together and pray about it. But the last promise is, I think, a rich one. And in Isaiah chapter 35, verse 10, it says this, And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. He's talking about this idea. Isaiah has this metaphor that he's using all throughout the book about there's a Jerusalem, a physical Jerusalem uh, that exists there and that the people of Judah want to return to uh, and have hold their city. But he paints this picture of a new Jerusalem that God is going to bring in, this new place, and it's representative of his kingdom, this place where his righteousness will reign and there will be eternal peace and healing and and. It's the place we long to be. And that's what he's talking about here when he says Zion. He says, the ransom of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Did you catch that? Sorrow and sighing will flee away. That's for all of us, but I think it's particularly for those of you who struggle with depression. You know, there's the anxiety thing, there's physical ailments, but there's that, there's that constant battle with that state of depression. And one of the things I think you need in that is to know that God promises, even if he doesn't take it away right now, that one day sorrow and sighing will what, church? Will flee away. They'll flee away. That's his promise to you. That's his promise to you. So here's my hope. You guys have been wonderful. You know, one of my favorite things as a pastor is to listen to God's people pray. It's fun. So did you catch the murmur in the room as we're praying and we're listening? If this has been one of those uncomfortable Sundays for you, I hope it stretched you. I do. I hope it's in great ways that it stretched you to say, oh, prayer is a good, powerful thing. Um, so we want to close in song today. We're going to close our time together just singing together. And I want you, I hope that you've made note of those promises. And you'll continue to, as you open your word to be guided by the things that God promises are the things that he says, I'm going to bring this about. I'm going to bring this about. And then you can trust him to do that because he's always faithful to his promises. Is God always faithful to his promises, church? Always faithful to his promises. God does not lie. He does not deceive. He always only speaks the truth. Everything that he promises us is yes and amen in Christ Jesus. So let's stand and close our time together by declaring the Lord's worth.